Turn please to uh, two openings. Proverbs, the fourth chapter. And First uh, Peter 1. We've been on the subject for a few weeks now and I want us to continue. And I've called it more than one thing. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know until you get further into it, at least with me. Um, but I think we've talked more about the incorruptible seed than other things. So that may be what we call it. Proverbs 4 and 20. He said, and this is the living Bible I'm reading, the living Bible, listen, son of mine, to what I say. Listen carefully. If the Lord said, listen to what I say, listen carefully, what should we do? Why would he say that? Why would he need to say it? Why would he need to say, listen to me now and pay attention. Listen carefully. Why would he need to say that? Because we live in a world full of distractions. And the enemy of our soul is the master of distraction. And especially when it comes to what God says, the enemy is a master at distracting people from getting it and hearing it. So you have to be focused and have made up your mind, I'm getting this, and know how to tune other things out. Listen, son of mine, to what I say. Listen carefully. Keep these thoughts ever in mind. Let them penetrate deep within your heart, for they will mean real life for you and radiant health. Does that sound good? Real life, good life, and radiant health. From what? From what? As a result of what? What he told us. His words. The psalmist said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. He said, uh, he, Jesus said, the flesh profits nothing, John 6, 63. But the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. His word is a life-giving word, quickening word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 22 in the Amplified, in the Amplified, he said, They are life to those that find them, healing and health to all their flesh. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. Did he change subjects? No. He said, pay attention to my words. Attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? That's how it works. You, you focus. You hear them. You see them. You meditate them. And they get in your heart. And when they get in your heart, they are a divine seed. They are divine seeds that will germinate, that will begin to put roots down in you and begin to develop up and out of you and produce the fruit 
of what the word says. <laughs> this is not symbolic. This is not figuratively speaking. This is literally how it works. He speaks to us. This is how God does everything. This is how he created the heavens and the earth. He speaks. And it's created. And when he has spoken to us. If we'll let that word come in us. It'll go down in us. And be planted in the soil of our heart. And if we nourish it and water it and keep it. It'll develop and bring forth a harvest. In our life. In 1 Peter 1 and 23 says, we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower thereof falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. You've got corruptible seed, which is aging seed that decays. You've got incorruptible seed that never ages, that cannot decay. Your and my body is born of a corruptible seed. All the food you eat, plant food, animal food, is all, all comes from a corruptible seed. We got to have it. It's amazing. It's miraculous how it works. But the seed, all the seed down here has been corrupted as a result of sin and death. But God's seed is incorruptible. It never gets old. It never ages. It never decays. It cannot die. Oh, hallelujah. And your inner man, different from your outer man, your inner man is born of the incorruptible seed. So your spirit, even though it develops, it is not aging. You look good on the inside. <laughs> now, I should qualify that. A lot of people, that's not completely true. They are emaciated on the inside. They're not old. They haven't aged, but they're shriveled because they're not fed. Their spirit hadn't been fed. But if your spirit will be fed, it'll develop and flourish, but it'll never age. Thousand years from now, your spirit won't be old. Inner man is renewed day by day. Though the outer man perish, that's because the outer man is born of a corruptible seed. But the inner man is born of an incorruptible seed. Go to 1 Corinthians 3 if you would. 1 Corinthians 3 and 6. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, I have planted, Apollos watered, 
but God gave the increase. What did Paul plant? What's he talking about? He preached to them and he taught them the anointed word, revelation that God gave him of redemption. He preached that. He taught that by the anointing and by the utterance and he calls it planting. If you've never heard it before, it was newly planted in you. But Apollos, and we know from other scripture, Apollos was a teacher. Paul was an apostle. Now people get hung up on titles and don't realize that God doesn't emphasize titles. In fact, he told us not to use them. These are job descriptions. And Paul never referred to himself, to my knowledge, as, hi, I'm the Apostle Paul. Never. He would say, I'm Paul, an apostle. I am an apostle. What? That's a job description. Apostle is a sent one who lays foundation, starts a work, preaches the word where it hadn't been heard before. Then the teacher waters what's already been planted. Come on, can you see that? So when Paul preached it to them, they'd never heard it before. There was no church there. He preached, people got saved, they started a church. He trained elders and uh, like Timothy and, and Titus and others and, and gave them directions and they led the churches under his supervision and he planted. But Apollos watered and gave more anointed teaching and preaching on the same subjects that Paul ministered to him to begin with. Do you need both? Do you need planting and watering? Well, you know in the natural, you can plant a seed. It can be decent ground. It can be a perfect seed. But if it never gets any water, it won't develop. You've got to have, the, and we can say it like this, the Word will do nothing until it's planted in a person. I'm talking about the Word He speaks to us. And even after it's planted, it won't bring forth a harvest unless it's watered and continually watered. How I many know in the natural, you don't just need one watering, you need additional waterings, right? But you've got to have watering all along. If you're going to have a crop, You've got to have the early and the latter rains. You've got to have that moisture. Well, uh, this should renew our minds that when it comes to the Word of God, it's not a matter that you heard it one time and you made a note or two about it and you thought, okay, I've got that now. No, it ain't just about got it up here. It's a seed that gets in you. And then you need to hear about it again. You need to hear about it again. And you need to hear about it again. Now, you may have heard some of this before, but it needs to be reality to us, not just a saying. You need to hear it. You're not just hearing about it again because you were slow and didn't get it the first time. It's because it's a seed in you and it needs to be watered. This is not just about knowledge. Faith isn't knowledge. Faith is a force. 
in your spirit. A creative force. A restoring force. Hallelujah. Miracle working force. Jesus told people, your faith made you whole. Your faith saved you. Well, how do you get faith? Come on, help me out, saints. How do you? It comes by hearing and hearing. Hearing and hearing. That's planting and watering. Thank you, Father. Go with me to the book of Luke. We got into this last time. I want to continue further. Jesus taught on this subject. Not just once or twice. Jesus taught on this and expounded on this. He said it was how the kingdom works. And you see what we call the parable of the sower. You could call it the parable of the seed. Some of these titles were added by men. How many understand everything that you see at the top of your page is not necessarily inspired? That's something men wrote up there, right? Even titles, you know, like the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts. Well, really, it's not just Acts of Apostles. It's Acts of Prophets. It's Acts of Evangelists. It's Acts of, right? You see that? And really, it's not just that. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the church. Anyway. Luke 8, are you there? Verse 1. We see in what is called the parable of the sower or the seed. This is recorded in Matthew 13. This is recorded in Mark 4. And it's also recorded in Luke 8. And you really have to read all three to get the full understanding. Because Matthew said some things the other two didn't say. Luke said some things the other two didn't say. Vice versa. It said it came to pass, Luke 8, 1. Afterward, that he, Jesus, went throughout every city and village doing what? Preaching. And showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. That's why it's called the gospel. Gospel simply means good news. The good tidings. Good report. And and the reason it's good is because it's about good things. The good news are all the good things Jesus has done for us by coming, taking our place, paying the price. Some have thought, you're going to hell if you don't change, is the gospel. It is not, because that's not good news. (laughs) Huh? It's not. (laughs) You always give people the good news first. (laughs) Now, if they reject the good news, you got bad news for them, right? You are going to hell if you don't change. But give them the good news first. And if they receive that, there is no bad news for them. But the gospel is good news. Good news. And verse 2. Certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Keep going. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's servant, Susanna, many others which ministered to him of their substance. These are some, and it says many others. 
Jesus had a lot of financial partners. People that had been healed and delivered under his ministry that supported the ministry financially and materially. That's what this is talking about. And it still works that way today. Verse 4. When much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some fell by the wayside. It was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Keep going. Some fell upon a rock. As soon as it sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, in explaining, and we'll get to that, I think, at some point, explaining the... uh, his disciples asked him to explain this to him, and he did. We'll see it in a moment. He said the sower sowed the word. And he explains that these four types of ground are four types of people. And that he's describing the results or lack of results from the word being sown into these people's lives. This is reality. Of how it works in the earth. Everything. That happens to us. In this life. And in the next. Is the result. Of our response. To God's word. I want to go over that again. Everything. That happens to us. In this life and in the next is the result of our response. And when I say response, our lack of, our response to God's word. Take the biggest thing, whether we're saved or not. What determines that? Our response to his word. I heard some folks talking on a TV interview show one time, internationally known show. The interviewer was talking to some pastors and preachers, well known, and the subject came up, how can a good God send people to an awful hell? How can love do that? And so they were, the interviewer was acting like an unbeliever, I don't know if they were or not, but they were adamant about that that's preposterous, that if God really is good and love, then there's no way he can and will send anybody to an awful place of torment. And uh, as I heard that, I thought, Lord, what's the best way to answer that? What's the right way? How do you answer that? And as I was pondering it, the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean I heard a voice out here, but inside me very distinctly. He said, Keith, it's not my choice. Now that's a big statement. 
Is that true or not? It's not my choice. Somebody said, well, God's all powerful. Yeah, but if in his sovereignty and his power, he chose to let it be your choice, then according to his sovereignty and power, it's not his choice. It's your choice. My choice. And if if you'll read the Bible with open eyes, it's everywhere. I set before you. Life, death, blessing, and cursing. You choose. He that believes, be saved. He that doesn't, will be condemned. It really is our choice. Well, if what happens to us beyond this life in eternity is the result of our response to what he told us, then that's the biggest thing. Certainly everything else that's lesser happening down here would be based on the same thing. Everything that happens to us, the outcomes of this life and the next, is the result of our response to God's Word. And that's what you're seeing here. He mentions four, uh, apparently, all humanity falls into one of these four categories of types of ground. And all four of these, he's describing how they received or didn't receive the word. The sower sows the incorruptible seed of the word of God. The word is being sown in here this morning. The word is being sown in many churches all across the the country and all across the world. Now over the airwaves, the internet. Printed page, any number of ways. There's a lot of stuff that's not God's word, but there is God's word going out too. And people are responding to it in these four ways. This is this is an amazing revelation. What Jesus taught. Do you believe it or not? This is eye-opening. We, we need mind renewal. Too many go to church and try to pretend and live in a bubble. But reality, understanding reality, you see the way the world really is through the Word of God. And it's not this flowery, imaginary thing. According to what Jesus taught, of the people that heard the word got no results. Zero. If that was true then, that's true now. And it would explain a lot. Wouldn't it? According to what Jesus taught. Four types of ground, right? Wayside ground. No results. Stony ground, how much results? How much harvest? How much fruit? No, no, no. Thorny ground, how much results? Zero. Did they hear the word? Yeah. What good did it do them? None. None. Is it possible to hear all kind of good word 
and get no results. Is it? Yes, it is. Is that God's fault? Is it because he chose for them not to get results? Is it because the word didn't work? The seed was not a good seed. No, it's not the seed's fault. The seed will do what God made it to do if it is received and kept. I know some of this may sound simple, but this is life-changing. This, this is ground-shaking stuff. Are y'all with me, friends? God's doing something for us. We can't control everybody else. But we can be good ground. Good ground that brings forth, gets results. Everybody's not going to get exactly the same results, but if you got 30-fold, that's pretty happening, brother. That's happening. Hmm? If you got 38-and-a-half-fold, that's, that's doing something. 60-fold, woo! 100-fold, look out. These are different degrees of the miraculous effect of the Word producing results in our life. But three out of four got no results. None. So we shouldn't be shocked about people that go to church and heard the word and got no results. We shouldn't be shocked. Jesus taught three out of four didn't. But it's not because God chose no results. It's not because the word wouldn't produce results. Right. It's because the word was not received. That's right. Or it wasn't kept. That's right. In order for you and me to be good ground, we need to find out what makes good ground. Yes. Right. And we need to find out why these other three didn't get it. Right. Yeah. And make sure we don't do that. Uh-huh. Come on, say it out loud. By the grace of God, grace of God I'm not going to be... Wayside ground. I'm not going to be stony ground. I'm not going to be thorny ground. By the grace of God, I am, I will be good ground that brings forth results. 30, 60, 100 fold. <laughs> Hallelujah. Every testimony you've heard read, that's fruit. Is that right? What brought that fruit? It wasn't me. It wasn't Phyllis. It wasn't Faith Life Church. It was the Word. I said it was the Word. Somebody got a hold of the word and it didn't just fall on deaf ears and they didn't throw it away after a little bit. They got it. They received it. They kept it and it produced a harvest in their life. You're sitting in a harvest of the word. Everybody watching online is, is watching as a result of the harvest of the word. These buildings, these properties, all of the, is that right? We received the word. We believed it. We sowed spirit seed. We sowed natural seed. The word never fails. It is incorruptible. Cannot fail. 
problem's not with God. And the problem's not with his word, his seed. The problem is with the ground. How many know in, in the natural? You can have the best seed in the world, but you need decent ground to put it in. If you're going to get a result. Well, why didn't the wayside ground produce results? Let's look at it. Luke 8, what was that, about verse 5? A sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was what? Trodden down. And the fowls of the air devoured it. That term trodden down tells you a bunch. We touched on it last week, but I want to go further. It was trodden down. The, um, I believe it's Hebrews. Let me see if I got that for you. Hebrews 10, just, just, why don't you go to Matthew 7 and Hebrews 10, 28, put that up on the screen for us, please. You're going to Matthew 7. Hebrews 10, 28 said, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose you shall be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God? Now, the previous verse uses the word despise. How would you trod underfoot the Son of God and count the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and do despite or disrespect to the Spirit of grace? People might say, well, nobody would do that. Millions are doing it. By treating the gospel with contempt. Treating the words about Jesus and redemption as, I heard somebody recently describe Genesis as a proto-myth. Proto-myth. Ancient primary myth. Many believe the stories about the virgin birth are myths. And that everybody knows that physically being raised from the dead is impossible, just like a virgin birth is impossible. Even though people may not be meaning to do this, they are doing this through the gospel. They are doing this. They are trotting on it. They're walking on it. They're stepping on it. They're despising it. And their eternity is being determined by how they're responding to this holy, amazing, best news ever came to the planet. Words are. Aren't you thankful, saints, that you are not somewhere laughing at the gospel this morning? despising people that go to church like us, that you are not blind and ignorant like that. The Bible said the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe. And it all begins, the further I go, the more I see this. It's why we put these words up over the top of, the, uh, of all the words you could put. Why that? Because the fear 
or the reverence of the Lord is the start. It's the beginning of any knowledge, of any understanding, of any wisdom. You see nothing, you know nothing, you get nothing until you first show him some respect. You can scoff and mock. You can have nine degrees and be doctor this and doctor that and you will be pitifully blind and deaf and ignorant and dead unless you bow your knee and show some respect to the one who's given you your breath, to the one that made the planet you're standing on. Show some respect. Somebody say, show some respect. Show, show some respect. What's the proper response to God speaking to you? (laughs) You should be in awe. Right? You should be so blessed. You should feel so privileged that the Creator who spoke the worlds into existence would speak to you personally. You should be in awe. Right? And what he says to you, you should treasure. Hmm? And go around and tell everybody, the Lord (laughs) said this. He said it in his word. He said it by his spirit. We must not get used to the Bible. Do you know what I mean by that? Get used to it, have heard it, have seen it, and go, oh yeah, I know them verses. No, you don't, or you wouldn't say it like that. (laughs) You've heard them, the sound of them bounced off your eardrums, but in truth, the seed, responding like that, likely never got in you. The The wayside ground heard these words. But it never got in them. The seed never got in the ground. Though they heard it. And why didn't it get in the ground? It was trodden down. Are you in Matthew? I tell you what. Hold your place in Matthew. And go to Mark 7 as well. Let's do it this way. Many think They are respectful of God's word, but they're not. It's a subtle thing. Show you what I mean by that. Mark 7 and 6. Mark 7 and 6. Jesus answered and said, Well, has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. What's the Lord always looking at? Not just what's coming out of your mouth, but your heart. Verse 7, how be it in vain do they worship me. Vain worship. Did you know you can go to church and have a nice building and play nice music and preach and say nice things and the whole thing be good for nothing. The whole thing be completely vain. Vain worship. Why? Teaching for doctrines, what? 
the commandments of men, what men came up with, men's words, not God's words. Keep going. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the what? Tradition of men and the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things. You do. Keep going. He said to them, full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. Many are reverential about tradition. They think it's being reverential of God and his word, but it's not. It's actually something that has replaced God and his words. I had a lady come to me after preaching one time. Man, she was irate. You could see it in her face before she could. She said, no, 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 no. Something I had just said, I guess. She said, it's like the song says. I said, what? She said, it's like the song says. And she starts quoting to me a song, a verse from a hymnal. She's telling me, no, the scriptures I just quoted to her are not right. Because the song says. How many know that everything in the hymnal is not the word of God? (laughs) Everything in the Sunday school paper or lesson is not necessarily the word of God. Like the song says. And she was serious. She's intense about defending What in her mind is God and and the right things. And the truth is, she's defending something that men came up with. That men said that actually is contrary to what God has said. And so the tradition has replaced the word. Now notice this. Full well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. Verse 13 says it like this. Making the word of God of what? Of what? None effect. Because of what? Through your tradition. Which you've delivered. And many such like things you do. He said there's many things like this. He mentioned one. But he said there's a lot of these. This is a subtle danger. You grew up around it. It's in church. The preachers preach it. Your your grandparents did it. Your parents did it. And you think it's God. But because of being ignorant of the word. Don't realize it's actually contrary. To the word. I know when uh, Phyllis and I left to go to Ramah. My first few months I was in Ramah. Thank God we were hearing some good word. And I saw, you know, Brother Hagin used to say this, the more you learn, the less you see you knew. (laughs) The people that think they know a whole lot don't know much at all. Because when you do begin to learn, you go, wow, I did not know much at all. And as I'm learning, I saw, wow. I am really ignorant of the Bible. 
really ignorant. And I grew up around church. I'm really ignorant of the Bible. And so I begin to study, begin to read, try to fix that. And the Lord challenged me. I don't mean to heard a voice, but inside me, this came strong to my mind. I knew I should do it. He said to me, Keith, everything you realize that you believe, find it in the Word. Challenge it. Where is that? In the Bible. Everything you say you believe. And I, I realized that's the Lord telling me something to do. And so it would come up to me all along. Yeah, I believe that. And so it would come to me, okay, where is it at? Find it. Too many people think it's okay because I'm not a preacher. I don't need to know the Bible. The Bible's too big. And there's so much in there. And people interpret it all kind of different ways. I can never. That is a convenient excuse. To do nothing and it's also disrespecting the word. If it's precious, you're going to want to know it. Yes. Right? Yes. If you value it, you're going to want to find out what the Lord said to you. Yes. If it's full of things he has given us and revealed to us, if every one of his words is a miracle seed, that when planted will produce a miracle harvest, yes. then man, we, nobody should have to twist our arm. To get us to read our chapter or go to church and hear an anointed message, right? We will desire his words. We will pursue and search for his words. Like hid treasure. Like a pearl of great price. That's what those things I just quoted come in the same passage of Matthew 13. The parable of the sower. The pearl of great price. The treasure hid in the field. That's part of the parable of the sower. Hallelujah. I believe that challenge every believer should take up. Saints. Church. There's a reason why we exhort you. Read your chapter. Every day. Come on, say that loud with me. Everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday. That's the minimum. Minimum. If when you get through with that, you want to read the book of Romans, help yourself. You want to read Mark? It's not very long, 16 short chapters. But finding out what he said enables us not to be fooled by traditions and ideas of men that are seeking to replace God's word in our life that have no life, no light, no power, but that people will cling to and fight you over and yell, the song says, I don't want to be ignorant and in the dark and robbed like that and have a dead seed that I'm trying to make grow in my life that never can produce anything because it's something that came from a confused man. When I got a book full 
of living incorruptible seeds. I got the author of the book living on the inside of me that'll speak to me personally about what he said. And every one of his words is life. But it begins with a respect, a reverence. Are you there in Matthew? Matthew 7 it was. He said 7, 6, Give not that which is holy to the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they do what? Lest they do what? What made the wayside ground wayside ground? How they treated the seed. What did they do with the seed? You don't walk on the seed if you find it precious. And he said, don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Why? Because they don't value it. They don't know what it is. They don't appreciate it. Don't give pearls. Don't cast your pearls to swine. Why? Because that pig doesn't know the difference between, you know, many thousand dollars worth of string of pearls versus pebbles. And if you give the pearls to the pig, what's the pig going to do with them? Not going to pick them up and hang them on the fence. And who and all over them. The pig is, is going to stomp them in the mud with everything else. And you can cry and go, that's such a waste of pearls. But you are the foolish one that gave them to them to start with. What does that mean? You don't give precious things to those who don't appreciate them. Don't value them. This is how God is. I know uh, some years ago I was realizing how much good word the Lord had allowed Phyllis and I to hear. How many good meetings we'd been in. How many good messages on faith, on righteousness, on abundance. I mean on being led by the Spirit. The list goes on and on and on. I mean for decades now we have heard some of the best word in the world. And and, and I'm realizing there are people in the world never heard uh, even a couple of good messages on faith. And we've heard so much. Why us? We're just little country people and didn't know anybody. Uh, Why us? Why us? And the Lord spoke to me about it. He said, because I knew you would value it. Praise God. I knew you would value it. And we have. And we do. Not saying we couldn't do it more. But... Don't run down the word of God to me. You'll lose me the moment you you start talking about it. The word is the answer. Everything we need is in here. You need healing. There's healing seed in here. You need wisdom. There's wisdom seed in here. You need abundance. There's abundance seed in here. Come on. do Do you see this? You need peace. There's peace seed in here. You need joy. There's joy in here. Do you believe this friends? Everything you'll ever need. Is in what he has spoken to us. If we'll quit listening to all the other junk. See the enemy is trying to grow something in you too. Many voices in the world. None of them without signification. All of them are saying something. The enemy is trying to get something in you. 
And if we listen and let him plant those seeds in us and we hear it again and again, day in and day out, it's being watered, it'll produce fear. It'll produce unbelief. It'll produce despair, despondency, depression, death. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but that's thorny ground. Other stuff choking it out. But if we'll tune all that out and let the word come in us, and every day we keep, somebody says, well, I don't see everything I want to see. Water it. Water it. Let it grow. That's like planting a tomato seed. A week or two later, you're saying, I'm not seeing all the tomatoes I want to see. Well, water it. Water it. Give it time and water it. I want to see water it. Hear about it. Hear about it. Talk about it. Treasure it. The Lord said to me that he took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. He carried my pains. Every one of those words are seed. By his stripes, I am healed. That's not just a thought. That's not just knowledge. It's an incorruptible seed. You receive it. You treasure it. You talk about it. You water it. And it grows. And it grows. And it grows. And it grows. You may still see some symptoms and things that you don't like, but don't let that move you. Say, none of these things move me. And you just water that word some more. You water that word and it will begin to stick a little leaf out. (laughs) And that symptom will change. It'll put another little leaf out. That symptom will change. Come on, are y'all with me? It'll put a limb out with multiple leaves. And it'll keep pushing out of you until it pushes all of the problem out of you. And then there's healing fruit on the limbs that other people can partake of. You become not only the healed, but a blessing of healing flowing from. Every seed, if it goes to its full potential, it produces other seed. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Stand on your feet if you would. I feel like I barely got this introduced today. Mm-mm-mm. Thanks be to God. One of the things you can do to get more of this in you is to read the 119th Psalm. The 119th Psalm is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 176 verses. By far the longest chapter in the Bible. Why? What's significant about that? Every verse practically is about how the psalmist is saying how he loves God's word. So the anointing is on that to get in you. Let me read you a couple of them. All these are from Psalm 119. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I'll delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. 
I have longed for your precepts. I will delight myself in your commandments, which I have loved. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. I will not forget your precepts, for with them you've quickened me. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Through your commandments, you've made me wiser than my enemies. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Your words a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He keeps saying, I love your words. I treasure your words. They're more to me than thousands of silver and gold. They're more important to me than any sum of money. Read that. Everybody hear that? Psalm 119. Read that. Take some time. Read it out loud and let the love for his word get in you. And your esteem and respect for it will come up. This will prevent us from being wayside ground. Hallelujah. Close your eyes if you would. Father, we worship you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you thanks. We say by faith, we do love your word. And we won't let it be stolen from us. And we won't let it be replaced with traditions of men. Go ahead and say it out loud if you believe it in your heart. Say, Lord, I love your word. I treasure your word above all riches. It's precious to me. Your words are life to me and health to all my flesh. I will not let them go. I will not let traditions of men replace them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.